Hey, Eric, here we are, episode six, Beyond the Pew podcast. It's been a good time. It's been great. Last week was fun. Uh, kind of had the secret envelope with the submission of questions, and that was a good Yeah, and we're actually doing it back again. We so. are doing it again. We have more questions that we're going to look at today. Uh, Beyond the Pew listener submitted questions. Questions, yeah. And so I, I talked to someone on Sunday. They came up to me. They were like, hey, uh, listen to the podcast. We, it was really enjoyable, but are you guys going to get to more questions? Uh, because you guys didn't quite cover a lot of them. And I was like, all right, we'll get to more questions. And so let's get right to it. All right, let's get to it. some of these listener-submitted questions. All right, do you want to start easy? Do you want to start like... Doesn't with, matter. Doesn't right, matter. Okay, I'm going to read the first one I just found. Yes. How do we make the distinction between biblical commands that are cultural, head covering in church, for example, versus ongoing commands? Oof, that's a good question. Yeah. Go ahead, answer it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let yeah. you, the associate I pastor. I think that's a great question. The, the question of, again, um, you know, biblical commands that are more cultural versus uh, super cultural or be across all cultures at all times for all people that the Bible commands. And, and that's an area that um, there's a lot of varying opinions on. There, there's kind of different schools of thought on that. Um, and this goes a little bit back to our discussion last week when we talked about legalism yeah. um, and how people look at certain things that are in Scripture um, that maybe were never intended to be super cultural or across all cultures at all times for all people. Context, you know, audience. Absolutely. So I think what the the best way to answer that question is to start with what is a proper way to go about interpreting Scripture, right? And so the theological term would be your hermeneutics, right? Your hermeneutics. Spell that for me real quick. yeah. Um, your hermeneutical approach to the interpretation <laughs> of Scripture, of, of what what are your principles for Bible interpretation, yeah. right? What do you know? As I'm just curious, as a as a uh, seminary grad, right? As a Masters of Divinity educated individual, uh, Pastor Eric Gill, what do you know about? Um, Biblical interpretation, like what are some biblical interpretation principles for interpretation? Yeah, and this will be true across the the, the whole Bible. I mean, you yeah. have to consider linguistics, like as far as like, is there any figurative speech? Is there yeah. any like, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't even know how to say it in English, but yeah, the literary context, a, a literary of, content, yeah. and things like that. But then you also have to consider the context, like who's the audience? Why is the author of the of the of the letter or of the epistle or of the book? What is the intent? For them to write them, who is who is the person writing them? Yeah. Why are they writing them? Uh, what is the context in the culture? So you have, for example, the Book of Corinthians, which is where this is found. You have uh, a culture of people that are, of believers that are in the middle of a, of a society that is depraved. That they are allowing the worship of uh, the the false gods around them to be brought into their worship of God. Some of them, were, a lot of them, were done in a like sexual desire or sexual sins and things like that, which is why you will find Paul writing this letter. You, you see, so it is important to find and to look into context, like linguistics uh, approaches. You got to look into uh, who's the author, what's the audience, and what is the purpose of the letter. Yeah. So those things you have to consider yeah. a lot when, when you're finding, when you're reading scripture. Yes. And so, you know, your interpretive you know, mindset, like with scripture, how you go about your interpretation is of primary importance. And so I remember always hearing, you know, in, in Bible college and seminary, 
context is key to interpretation, Correct. right? So as you're approaching the scriptures, you want to understand the literary genre, right? What's yeah. written, what's the figures, but as you mentioned, you want to understand the, the author's intent in what he was writing, um, because the authors of Scripture, those that were carried along by the Holy Spirit, had a specific purpose in their writing. Yeah. They had a specific audience they were writing to. And so when we go about interpreting Scripture, we want to make a proper right interpretation of the original author's intent to the original audience it was writing, he was writing to, and then be able to glean from that um, what is prescriptive, as in, in relates to, okay, this is for, for you to follow what is descriptive as far as this is just telling what's happened. Yeah. And then from that, be able to draw some conclusions about what is commanded by God for all people at all times and all places, and what is specifically more so um, explanation of what was, being go- what was going on, what was happening. Correct. So um, where the, the plain text of Scripture makes sense, right? then there's no reason, I remember hearing this phrase, to take any other sense, mm-hmm. right? So when the Word of God, uh, very clearly, in the context, in the writing style that is written, very clearly makes statements, commands, imperatives, um, and it's very clear what the author is saying, and it's very clear this is a command of God, then we don't have the luxury to look at that and say, well, I don't agree with that, or I don't want to do that. And so can you read the question again specifically? Because I want yeah. to answer the specific so question. So how do we make the distinction between biblical commands that are cultural and versus ongoing commands? So like, for example, yeah. we will say that that the head coverings of the church was a cultural command and specifically to the church in Corinth at the time of the writing. But how do you, I guess, the, to better communicate that, how do we come to that conclusion? Yeah. And how then do we defer that and say, okay, well, that is not an ongoing command today for the church. Yeah, so I think I think what you had mentioned earlier, even in regards to the context with Paul's writing, there are certain commands you see in the New Testament scriptures that are written to specific churches and to specific things those churches were dealing with, and that themselves, in the plain reading of the text, would lend themselves to be something that is specific to the church and culture in which Paul was writing. Right? Yeah. But then there are other principles or commands that would go beyond simply the context or culture or church that he was writing to, and that those are reinforced throughout the scriptures, right? And so one of the—there's consistency in God's Word. And so one of the ways I think that we can establish those areas that we would say, these are super cultural, these are for all people at all times, these are more than just descriptive, they're prescriptive, um, and that they're normative principles that are for all people at all times across all cultures is when we see consistency in God's Word and the instruction of God's Word of what is being said. So Correct. for an example, Corinthians, the, the letter of Corinthians is filled with Paul's instruction in regards to sexual sin, right? Yeah. And, the, and the necessity of avoiding sexual sin, repenting of sexual sin. To be sin, set apart. To be set apart. Yeah. But those are also principles and commands that we see echoed through the Gospels, yeah. through the words of Jesus, that we see echoed through the other writings of Scripture, and so that there's great support for that instruction. And so for the believer, what I, the simple answer to this would be um, look at the context and intent of the writer and the person he's writing to, and if the plain rendering of the text and the plain rendering of the imperative of the text would lend itself to be something that as a believer we would say, wow, that is something that God's expectation is, yeah. so therefore I'm going to follow that. Yeah. And unless there's a reason that we would come to a conclusion from proper interpretive principles in reading the text of Scripture, we want to take God at His Word. Correct. Right? And so it's very important that we do that. Now, I would just say this in regards to that. There is room on certain areas where 
there's disagreement yeah. on whether or not these principles are for all people at all times. And there are certain areas that it's very difficult to answer and people disagree and that's okay that there's disagreement. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. And uh, with things I would add to a few things, you, you also have to understand that this test, these letters were written in, in a different language than the ones we're speaking today. Sure. And when the, the, you know, the translators came and transcribed them from the original language to our language today, you know, to, we always have to go back in the interpretation of the original language. Now, sure. I'm not advocating necessarily that everybody out there goes out and start learning Hebrew and Greek now, you know, but that being said, there is an aspect, a, a big importance in the aspect of understanding what is, like we talked, the linguistic styles that they're using, the genre that they're using, because that will sure. bring into the conversation. But like you mentioned, when you look at a question or, or something like the head coverings, yeah. you know, that is something that, that today is very divisive, and in, 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 in even in religions, because yep. some people take that to be little in our culture today, whereas other people look at that and say that was cult, that was more of a cultural command. Yes. And nothing you said something that is key, which is when you're looking at those things that are cultural and 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 more of an ongoing command, you will see consistency throughout the scripture. A good example of that is the fact that uh, that this topic of head covering is only found in the New Testament in that passage on First Corinthians, or yeah. I think, or for, I don't know, the Book of Corinthians, whereas. This is not brought up in any of the other epistles. It's not brought up in any other of the letters written by any of the apostles of disciples, which means that if this was something that was so instrumental or so important or so necessary for us as believers to have and to consider and to know a part of the context, a part of knowing what is happening in the yeah. culture at Corinth, then I believe that we would have those things even in the other letters. Example being sexual immorality. You see that across the letters. You see that in Thessalonians, sure. you see it in Colossians, you see it in the book of Ephesians, you see it in all this different uh, pa passages or, or parts of the Bible. You see that topic being brought out, yeah. which we will say, because of this, this is an extra example of why this, of standing away from sexual immorality is such uh, is a command for us today, not just based in the culture. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I would say, just what we have to be careful is, it's it's not essential or necessary. For example, if Paul wrote in the letter to the Romans, yeah, and wrote certain things that you don't see in his other letters, correct. That doesn't mean that is not, you know, correct. Um, yeah, instructive in prescriptive for us, just because it's not necessarily repeated in his other letters. I think the the issue though is more so the context and understanding the context of the culture in which it was written. So specific to the head coverings, Paul makes mention, and again, we just saw this um, question, so that's why right away I can't tell you the exact verse, but Paul says in his instruction regarding that, the reason that they are to cover their heads, and he makes mention of it being shameful yeah. for, for that not to be the case. Well, that is not the case in our current culture. Correct. Right? In their culture, it was. So his very reasoning for giving that instruction is explained right yeah. in the text. Yeah. And so when you take his reasoning for the instruction, and you look at that and would say, okay, is that true in, in our culture today? Well, that, that wouldn't be true in our culture today. So the very reason for it wouldn't be true. And so there's, there's a lot of things I think that we, we have to understand the culture that it was written to and written in and understand and use discernment. But I, I think this brings up a bigger point, too. This is why we are called as believers to study Correct. the Word of God. Correct. And there's a, 
a diligence to, to that. journal. There's a <laughs> there's a diligence to that, right? Yeah. It's it's work. It's yeah. hard work. If we want to yeah. come to proper interpretation of scripture, yeah. it requires hard work and study. And so yeah. every believer should be engaged in doing that. Um, but that that would be the overarching answer, Correct. right? Is yeah. know the context, seek to properly interpret the text. Um, use principles of interpretation that are consistent throughout God's Word, and then, you know, you put that before the Lord, and and you don't violate your conscience before the Lord. Correct. And there's yeah. going to be some disagreement on a yeah. lot of different areas. Yeah. So, and the, yeah, good the question. Whoever first... submitted that, that was a great question. Yeah, great question. So, with that, if you had to choose one major sport to end, what would it be <laughs> and why? If I had to choose one major sport to, like, end? Yeah, I'll finish? give you an example. For me, <laughs> with, right away from the top of my head, soccer. Get rid of soccer. Wow. Yeah, I don't. Good... I don't like soccer. Ooh, I feel like that's it's probably like the number one sport in the world. Right? Yeah, but is, still, that don't mean that don't mean that is for yeah. to my eyes. Well, it's not because the best I love sport. Jesus and I love world evangelism, I wouldn't end soccer because that has produced so many gospel conversations. But get, no, a... and it is basically <laughs> that's across all cultures. So I would. But keep I wonder soccer. why. I wonder why I that is soccer. across the country. You know, and that, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna be. A... Um, <laughs> if I had to end one major sport, what sport would I end, and why would I? end it um man that that's a fantastic you strike me as somebody that will end bowling is that really a sport though like we're talking guess. sports yeah i mean um, i see an espn so it counts yeah i i guess man i i love i pretty much love all sports oh so okay. okay i'm not a baseball player like you are like i you almost made professional didn't you almost make professional baseball no <laughs> no i thought you did i thought no. there's a story behind no. that no there's not okay. no story okay, okay. no so, i'll pass on the which professional sport listen I'll if answer I'm, for you hockey. bowling bowling okay hockey like that's not really a professional sport the only reason i would say hockey and i don't know there's some guys if, there if, that, there's some that people they're really love good hockey. i'm rooting for the buffalo sabers by the way just because i'm buffalo bills fan buffalo sabers i'm gonna wear the hat but if i had to end a professional sport i would say hockey just because i try to watch hockey and i have such a difficult time following what is going on understanding it. But so that's soccer. That's, like, it, so, the yeah. entire game of soccer is just people running around. And then, like, occasionally, if any, they'll get one goal in. I understand. Yeah. Whereas with hockey, you can you got to get some fighting. Anyways, fine. where fine. is the line between uh, – we were going through – we went over that one already. Uh, who can bench more between the two of you? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't um, know how much I bench. Currently – or all time, because I, I mean, I know what I've done all time, but I don't know what I can do. Wow, anymore. so what is your all time? It doesn't matter. I'm not what is your say, PR? I, there's no reason for me to brag right now. PR, no? Well, go ahead. For personal record, for <laughs> you tell me yours first, and then I'll tell you mine. I don't know. I probably could bench right now my 230, 240. I could bench more than that right now, but oh. my all time one, I'm not going to say. There's no reason to be braggadocious on here. Okay. But you can bench more than me, so, but that's not bragging. It's not bragging. Oh, okay. So, all right. So the Bible states in Romans. 14, 10 to 12. My max bench rest was 350. 350? Yeah. But you don't want to brag. I'm not bragging. Yeah. It's just people are going to wonder. Yeah. They're going to put it in the comments. They're going to be like, Bruce, why didn't you answer the question? 350. That was my max bench press. <laughs> I bet you I could match that. You probably could. Yeah. Uh, the Bible states in Romans 14, 10 to 12 that we shall all stand before judgment seat of God. What can I do so that my personal account in front of God is what God will be proud of? Can you read that one more time? I was still so focused on the bench press. On the bench press. So why don't you look that up? I want, I'm curious to see what Go it ahead reads. Go read it again. Romans 14, tw 10 to 12. Yeah. Romans 14, 10 to 12. Okay, you got it? Yep. So the, the question says, the Bible states in Romans 14, 10, 12, that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yep. What can I do 
so that my personal account in front of God is what God will be proud of. Yeah, so, I can start with this if you want yeah, me to. Yeah, I mean, no, go ahead. I think that, I mean, the first recognition to this question I want to point out, and you can add more to this, is that there's nothing that you and I can do that will make God proud because you and I are sinners. You and I are, you know, we fall short of the glory of God. That's the principle. We There's nothing that we can do that will merit us the 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 proud, the feeling of God being proud before us, because we are wretched, wretched men, wretched women, that we're yeah. sinners before the Lord. Now that being said, we have been given the blessing, the privilege, the gift of eternal life of our relationship with Jesus through His Son, through God's Son Jesus. Yeah. And so He then becomes our merit. He is the reason as to why we can stand before God justified. We can stay before God as someone that is uh, that is forgiven, that is redeemed, that is capable of having an opportunity to connect with Him. Yeah. And so I think that's something big to recognize. And so as you read that and you talk about that, I just wanted to make that little clarification right there. Yeah. So I, I think you're right on in the sense that independently of Christ, in and of ourselves, the Bible speaks about this. There's none that does good. No, not one. There's no one in and of themselves that does anything to merit the favor of God or as it was worded in the question, for God to be proud of us. Yeah. Um, and, and I think biblically what the individual is getting at is, is the idea of, you know, how will we hear from God, well done, a good and faithful servant, right? How will yeah. we hear from God that, that we've honored him and that God would be pleased? So yeah. um, we just talked about context being key to interpretation. Yeah. So he, the question referenced Romans chapter 14, verses 10 to 12, uh, it says this, why do you pass judgment on your brother or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God as written. As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will confess to God, and then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Context again being key, I think context answers the question that's being yeah. asked. If you jump back, just a few verses, verse 6 says, The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. So mm -hmm. I feel like Paul answers that question in the preceding context by saying basically this, if you as a believer, knowing you're going to stand before Christ and you want to hear well done, you want to, to be presented to him in a way that you can stand before him and, and say, uh, listen, you know, I've honored you. First of all, you can't do that on your own. Yeah. But Paul answers it by saying, as a believer, if we want to live in a way that's honoring to God, then we have to recognize day in and day out, our life and the life that we live is not for ourselves. Correct. It is unto the Lord, right? Yeah. So whatever we do, whether yeah. we eat, whether we drink, we observe festivals, days, moons, whatever, whatever we're observing, whatever we're doing, whatever we're participating in, it is not for ourselves, but it is as unto the Lord. Yeah. And if that's our mentality is obedience to Christ, obedience to his word, living for Christ and not ourselves, then we will honor him. Yeah. But we can't lose sight of the fact that because of what Christ has done, we are now presented and seen as righteous in God's sight. Yeah. And that will not change. Yeah. Um, well, in I the same like context and, answers that. No, and I think that, that I think that does hand, uh, shed lights to that. I think it's, uh, let me look it up. It's in Romans 8. I think it's in Romans 8. 
Yeah, there's no, therefore now no condemnation. Yeah, yeah. So what then shall we say to these things? And again, context, talking about, uh, you know, fut- our future glory, what's yeah. going to happen, like, in compare, like, there's no suffering, nothing that we can endure in this world that will compare to what God has store, store for us in heaven, right? That kind of like the mentality. And then he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave himself up for us all, how will he not also with graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. And I love this part, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, danger or sore? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who love us. For I am sure that neither dead nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I love this passage right here because the, the Paul in the same letter that he's writing, that we just read verse chapter 14, he's reminded the readers of the reality that you know, our position in Christ, our stand before God, who we are before the Father is not based on our marriage. Again, it is based on what God yeah. has done on the cross through his son, Jesus, and the fact that he rose from the dead. But I love the fact that he goes beyond that and says the same guy, the same person that he sent to die on the cross, the same person that rose from the dead is also the one sitting before the father, who is the one judging, who is the one looking at your life, looking at my life, how we have lived. And you have the son, Jesus, standing, standing, sitting by him, interceding on our behalf. Yeah. Now, the, other, the disclaimer would be that that does not give us a right now for you and I to just live life however we want to live. Sure. The reality is that, and I think this is probably where his, that's this person's question is kind of gearing, is that there is the aspect of because of the sacrifice that we have been given or the gift that we have been given, because of that sacrifice, because of the uh, the love displayed to us through Jesus, there's a responsibility for you and I now to live in a way that brings honor and glory to that. Sure. And so, again, I, I am not, an, you know, and, I don't, and I think you will have a hard time coming in the Bible for where you will say, if I do X, Y, and C, God will be proud of me in heaven because that is only possible through his son Jesus. And even the idea of proudness, I think you'll have a hard time. But to be able to be found faithful and to yeah. be able to be found uh, uh, someone that is committed to the Lord will require you and me and whoever that is called themselves a Christians to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God. For sure. And this is the whole idea that I think Christians sometimes struggle with. And a lot of times this is what um, people chalk up to, like the mentality of as long as I have my fire insurance, like I'm okay. And, and their thinking is if I'm, if I'm saved and I'm not going to go to hell, I'm not going to go to the lake of fire and burn forever, I'm not going to have the judgment of God, I'm okay. It doesn't matter what else I do, right? So the question is a very good question because the reality is everyone will stand before Christ Correct. to give an account. For the believer in Christ, the ultimate result is forgiveness, and you are seen as righteous in God's sight, and you are you are no longer responsible to pay for your sin because Jesus fully took care of that yeah. on the cross, right? But on the flip side, you have so much instruction from God's word that that is not an excuse to sin. 
nor should it be the attitude or desire of the heart of the believer um, to live for self or live for Correct. sin. I mean, Paul said in Galatians, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How are you who are dead to sin going to continue living in it? It yeah. doesn't make sense for the believer. Correct. But the simple answer to the question here is, uh, how do we stand before God in a way that would be um, right, just, fair, whatever? And the simple answer is, the only way that's possible is through the righteousness of Christ. Correct. But from a human practical standpoint thinking, Paul answers it in Romans 14, to live is to live as Christ. Yeah. It's for Christ, you know, through Christ, for His glory. Um, and if we're living for yeah. His glory and about Him and not ourselves, we'll be walking in a way that is, is pleasing to Him. And, and going back to the, being a command opposed to being a cultural thing, yeah. how we started a podcast, you see too how in the book of Philippians, Paul brings that attention again and says, sure. hey, like myself, because to live is Christ yeah. and to die is gain. Meaning yep. my Paul's life, his devotion, his dedication, his desire was to live in a way that will be reflective, reflective of who God is and what he has done yes. in his life. But if somehow he end, his, life, his life ended, he, recogni he recognized that it will be of gain to lose life in the sense that he will be in the presence of God. He will be with God in sure. his presence. So his, this conf the conflict, if you want to call it conflict, which is not really a conflict, but really what's going on here or the, par the paradox is you have him wanting to go to heaven, which is game, but he also recognizes so long as God has him here on earth, yep. his devotion, his commitment is to... Uh, to live for Christ, which sure. so that you can find yourself a good steward and a blessman before the Lord. Yes, it's only done through Jesus, but there's the aspect of us as Christians to do everything that we can to bring honor and glory to God. Yeah, and only through the power of the Spirit of God and the strength that God gives. Yeah. You know, can we do that in obedience to His Word? I mean, Jesus said this when He said, "If anyone's going to come after Me, he has to take up his cross, deny himself." Yeah. And follow me. And the life that we're living now is is not for self, it's for him. For so him. it's very consistent. Yeah, yeah. Great question. Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, last question, Bruce. Yeah. And I think this will be a good segue out. Very, obviously, it's a very important question, but I, I'm curious to your answer. If you had 10,000, <laughs> I'm asking this to you, not to me. <laughs> if you had 10,000 to spend on watches or shoes, what would you get <laughs> what? and why? The question is if you had ten thousand dollars to spend on watches. Listen, or if I shoes, get ten thousand, that all goes to bills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had ten thousand, I'm not gonna spend ten thousand dollars on watches and shoes. So if the question is, would you spend ten thousand dollars on watches and shoes if you had no, the no, answer no. would be no. Specifically, if you had ten thousand to spend on watches. So meaning okay. you have it and you're yeah, gonna spend it. I know what's it. driving this. There's there's some accounts, preachers and sneakers and preacher or profits and watches. Uh, that's actually an Instagram account. So, as what well. are you, a preacher's sneaker guy or a prophet's and watches uh, guy? I'm neither. I'm neither. I'm not going to spend outrageous amounts of money on on shoes and watches. What things is, that are perishing. What is an outrageous they're, amount? They're perishing. Um, an outrageous amount yeah. depends on who you ask. I, it doesn't matter. To what you, I think. I'm asking you. I don't know. It depends. You do know. I don't know. It depends. But so it's it's 150 I, outrageous. Listen, the, for what? For for shoes. Oh, it depends on the type of shoe that you're. Okay, Jordans. For. It depends, Eric. Why are you asking? Listen, the question that the that was submitted about ten thousand dollars. Listen, if if you're spending ten thousand dollars on watches and shoes, um, the Lord, listen, I'm not here know. to judge. I'm not here to judge. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I personally would not spend ten thousand dollars on watches and shoes. Okay, but this is I a, know again this what's is driving a hypothetical. This. Yes, I know what's driving uh, this. A question. So it's yeah. not like you, I'm not expecting you to go out of here and buy ten thousand on shoes. And watches, but 
as, let's imagine with me for a moment. Imagine, right? Yeah. You have $10,000 that has been given for the only the, for the use of only watches or shoes. What are you using on? Okay, if I if I had to spend ten thousand dollars on watches and shoes, and had to spend it, you had to. What I would do is I would take my wife. Oh. And say, honey, pick out whatever What's your shoes wife's name? and whatever watch you want with that ten thousand dollars. So I wouldn't spend that on myself, Eric. I spend it wow, on my wife. Wow. So you wouldn't buy anything to yourself. Nope. Nothing. You wouldn't buy one shoes. Nada. You wouldn't for the you- wife. <laughs> How about you, Eric? Is Jenny getting any of that? Or is no, it she'll all- get some, but I'm getting some too. <laughs> no, it's good. That's good. It's a great, We're it's a great, that's a great theological question yeah. to end the day with. Um, listen, just real quick, because as we're wrapping up, if you have questions, um, regardless of what they are, as you've seen, not all of them yeah. are necessarily but we're getting through serious, um, you can text in those questions. What's, if, Eric, what's that number, Eric? Ask you first. What's that number? It's 330-344. Nope, it's not 344. It's, so, it's 330. Just tell us what it is, because 330 331 6453-6453. 6453-6453. <laughs> Hold on. Time out. Here's the number. Call it for a friend right now. Here's the number. 330-331-6453. To help you, we're going to put this number on the title. I'm on with all the description. Yeah, in the description. If you have questions. No, no, on the title. Whatever. We're going to put it on there. Just somewhere. Do it. We want to ask you. We ask it every week. Eric, what do we ask every week? What is your life looking beyond the pew? We hope it's honoring to the Lord. We hope you'll be back next week. Have a great weekend.